is. If you look at the blood, you can't see through it if it's in a it's in a vial. But you can see through water. Water doesn't take away the garbage. The blood takes away the garbage. Even our most terrible sins, uh, the blood makes things disappear. Uh, it, it's comforting to know that God looks at us through blood-colored glasses. Glasses that alleviate our sin and reveal only the righteousness of Jesus. As you partake of the cup today, do so with the assurance that the Savior's blood has provided not just a life-giving transfusion, but also a cleansing transfusion that has removed your sins from your life forever. For in John, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that, uh, for Christ who came and gave His body and bled that, uh, that this cleansing blood might be available for us. We thank you, dear God, for uh, those who gather around this table, whether they be here or in far countries, just wherever they might be. We pray, dear God, that uh, uh, as you uh, listen to the petitions uh, for help, the thankful prayers, that you'll remember us, dear God, and let help us to remember that Christ came and died for us, but also that he rose for us. We pray, dear God, for each each person that partakes of this bread and this wine, dear God, go with us now and watch over us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
sometimes difficult uh, to plan ahead for, uh, especially for churches, this time, this time of the year. Uh, so many people go on vacation, and they seem to, a lot of people think that uh, being on vacation, they, their tithes and their offerings are also on vacation. I was much impressed when I was talking to uh, one of the people who attend our church uh, uh, fairly regularly. Uh, she told me that uh, she had just been by to see uh, Brother Harold, and uh, I couldn't figure out why. She said, well, we won't be there next Sunday, and we wanted to make sure that our, our offering was uh, uh, put in. That's what it takes to run a church is a, is a consistent income. Summertime is rough, uh, money-wise, for the church. And uh, we should not forget, it's not just River Oaks Church that we're giving it to, but we're giving it through the Lord for the work and the kingdom as, it, uh, as they do it here in, in, in our church. We're so thankful for the giving that people do. I've, I'm, I'm just, ever since I've been back here, I've been completely amazed uh, at uh, uh, what this church does, especially when it comes around to special offerings. But well, we do need those offerings Sunday by Sunday. And we hope that you'll remember. When you go on vacation, remember to slip a check in Harold's pocket to, uh, so that he can put it in for us. Let's be, bow and pray, please. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for again for the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for people who are faithful in their giving so that your kingdom might uh, prosper here on earth. Uh, well, dear God, we pray for each and every uh, one here, the gift and the giver. We pray that uh, uh, the monies will be used uh, to the furtherance of your kingdom and used wisely by our our men who uh, administer them. Bless us now, dear God. Go with us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to sing today. Um, song I've done a couple times before, but uh, Miranda came up to me a couple weeks ago and asked if I would uh, do it again, and I said, of course. Um, but I didn't get a chance to speak about CLI, so I think I'm going to take a little time to do it right now, just because that's who I am. But um, you've seen some of us wearing this shirt. Um, there's a little guy on here named Wilfred, and he is a uh, he's a kid in Africa, that uh, the area that he lives in is highly, highly um, um, impacted with AIDS. And uh, we, we had a, a time to talk about um, the kids that live over the, in Africa. And, and, you know, we see all the whole, like, red razor iPod thing. And, you know, like, okay, that's kind of a good thing, I guess. But we don't really think about how it directly impacts, you know, kids' lives. And he has to live his life. Some of them are orphaned, and they don't have parents that can nurture them and help them. Some of them that do have parents are already contracted with AIDS, and if they do try to nurture them, they might be contracted. And it was just very, it was very touching and uh, made us think a lot. And uh, the song I'm going to sing is called And Now My Life Song Sings. And uh, there's, you know, every one of us that went to CIY this week was impacted every one of us in one way or another. 
And uh, it seemed like for a while we would we were blind and just going through our life, you know, just going through the motions. But I think because of CIY and just becoming a community and loving on each other, we've been able to get past some of, some of the things that are blocking us. And uh, I would just encourage you guys to listen to the words, not necessarily listen to me, but listen to the words that are being uh, that are being sung, and uh, hopefully it can have some impact on you. So. <clears throat> was lost but now I'm found I once was lost but now I'm found so far away but I'm home now I once was lost but now I'm found and now was blind now I see I once was blind but now I see I don't know how when you touch me once was blind but
my goodness. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? It is good. So much to be done. So much, so little time. That's the thing. We're running out of time. <clears throat> you know, the Lord may come back before we know it. Amen? And that's hallelujah. <laughs> I'm ready, sister. Amen. I wanted to mention to you um, uh, at our missions team meeting uh, a week or so ago, um, Lou brought up uh, supporting a, a child. And uh, he was doing it through Mid-India Christian Mission. And uh, I had mentioned that Central India has the same program for $15 a day, <coughs> a day, excuse me, a month, you can uh, support a child in India. <coughs> and and uh, so uh, Mick Kernodal, who's the uh, contact person for CICM for us on the mission team, uh, got hold of some brochures, and they're on the back table. And uh, they look like this, sponsoring a child, Central India Christian Mission. Tells you everything you need to do in there. And there's an envelope that's uh, laying there also that you would pick up if you wanted to begin this ministry. Uh, Lou mentioned that he had supported a child for uh, 18 years, I think it was. something For, for a number of years. And uh, you get pictures and, and letters uh, periodically. And, and you can watch these children grow. And uh, uh, if... if if that's something that interests you in your heart and in your mind, I mean, $15 a month, folks, is a one trip to McDonald's. So if you skip that and support a kid, it would be great. Uh, <clears throat> the one thing I noticed in here that I, I, I was disappointed in is that you can't really contact them and, and write to them, uh, according to one of the questions answered in here. But uh, uh, some organizations allow you to do that. But anyway, this is a great one, and we want to mention that to you and challenge you as a church to maybe pick up several of these kids and uh, uh, support them and take care of them, and it'll help them. It'll help them get their education and just help them grow. And uh, Central India then would administer that ministry, and, and man, what a, what a blessing that would be. Uh, Don Baker's going to come up. He's got a couple of things he wanted to share with you. Don, I think the microphone is somewhere over there. Is there one laying over? Yeah, there's one right there by by Dan's guitar there. I want you to be, make sure everybody can hear you. Don't panic. I'm, I'm going to make the sermon shrink, okay? So just hang in there. Now I got to start over. <laughs> Lou already said most of what I was going to intended to say. The fact that summer is a tough time. Uh, we, it's a repeat performance here. We we are low on funds each summer. We were we need twenty seven hundred dollars every week to maintain the ministry. Uh, if you look at the board, we'll see about a thousand dollars underneath that each week. So again, we're facing the same summer doldrums. I also want to thank you so much for your special giving. Uh, realizing that the children got to go to CIY with money to spare, that's going to be uh, in the funds for next year. Those are marked. Those are set aside. They are not touched for anything else, so those funds will be there for next CIY season. 
Uh, we also said that uh, we would like to help them help the uh, CICM buy 800 Bibles. Uh, how many? 200 Bibles. 400 Bibles. 400 Bibles, $800. We're only $100 short of that right now. That's because you're generous giving. So the, these are just things I want you to, to keep in mind that we do have ongoing needs, and thank you so much for your generous giving. Make sure you peruse the prayer list that's in your bulletin. There's uh, needs that are there. I want to mention just a couple more to you if you'd write these down uh, in your, in your uh, bulletin. Be sure and uh, keep Jerry Resnitz in your prayers. Jerry is still awaiting the insurance uh, verification that they will cover his heart transplant. That's the only hope that he has now uh, is uh, to sustain his life would be a heart transplant. So the insurance companies are still bandering back and forth whether they'll cover that or not. Um, Stephanie Moore, uh, Brent told me this morning, uh, she had the initial uh, test done. They're sending her to a specialist this week. So please keep Stephanie in your prayers down in Florida. And, uh, and, and Brent, uh, while he's here and they're separated uh, due to his employment, he's already here and they're waiting for a house to sell. And So just uh, pray for that whole family that uh, God will... Uh, accelerate those things. Peggy Horton certainly needs a touch of God's hand on her life. Uh, she has one good day and seems like three or four bad days. So keep Peggy in your prayers. Uh, she did have a skin graft done Wednesday that seemed to be successful. So hopefully uh, in time she will uh, be able to heal from that uh, ankle surgery. But uh, uh, she is uh, struggling. So be praying for her. She's not steady on her feet. And uh, they put a big boot on her, and so I'm sure that doesn't help either. But uh, keep her in your prayers as uh, she struggles along. Dorothy Brandstetter also needs our extra prayers. Uh, when she fell and broke her wrist, that's healing great. But she she pulled muscles and twisted her back, and and uh, at her age, it's just uh, that's quite a an ordeal to overcome. So be praying for her. She did get up enough to get to the beauty shop, though, and that's uh, that's uh, an interesting. Thing, but for most women, that's a necessity, is to get to that beauty shop. So keep them in your prayers. Uh, Pat, Don, how's Donnie doing? Antibiotics seem to be working. Super, super. Keep uh, sure he would appreciate continued prayers. Brother Aaron's here this morning. Kidney stone and all. <laughs> Still, I don't know, maybe we need to jump on him or something, knock it out. I'm not sure. But, uh, but keep praying for Brother Aaron, and I know it's a very painful uh, thing for him. And... You know what to do? All right. Well, you see. All right. You see Sue afterward. I'm not going to guarantee you'll live after it, brother. But, but sister seems to know the answer. Praise God. All right. James Ralston, that's the gentleman that is in our motorized wheelchair. James is in the hospital at St. Francis and will be till Tuesday. Uh, so keep James uh, Ralston in your prayers, please. And we're just thrilled that uh, Kim and Terry Bowman are new grandparents to Brooklyn. Is it Ann? Brooklyn Ann? Did I am saying that right? Brooklyn Ann Bowman. And she is a head full of black hair and just a, just a cutie. Just a cutie. So uh, Carrie and Craig uh, uh, got to see them the other day at the hospital and hold the baby. And 
It's just wonderful. I'm getting ready for this holding baby stuff. It's, it's, it's sounding good. But it's always been others, you know, so it'll be really interesting this next go-around for me. So keep, uh, keep us in your prayers. All right. And keep these folks in your prayers. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. I'm going to try to do a thumbnail in about ten minutes. Here we go. You believe that, don't you? <laughs> I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. When the church prays, things can happen. Why? And today I want to talk about as we continue that theme of when the church prays, why we believe better than we behave. Why we believe better than we behave. I want to thank you for your allowance this morning of the extra time during our service to to just be honest with each other and to be transparent to tell you what we're thankful for. Well, I'm thankful for so many things. Uh, it's just uh, there's just there's just it's hard it's hard to have words. I've I've watched marriages come back together that were split. I mean they were done, but but God's brought them back together. I've watched that happen. I've watched young people who were rebellious come in submission to parents, and parents become more of the parent they're supposed to be. Uh, my what a privilege it's been is for us as a church uh, to be around the whole Caleb family. And, and Darlene and Brad and Bryant and, and, and their, their coaching abilities and how much they love Jesus and share that. And, and then we as a church get to, get to feel that. And all of these athletes in our church, you know, our little church, when that, that one Sunday I had everybody stand up, my goodness, we've got championship athletes all over the place here at the church. Isn't that fun? That is just great. Is there more that we can do? You bet. You bet. And in the days to come, we're going to see more. I just trust, I know God's going to do it. We're making some cosmetic changes in our church. We need to do that. Uh, we, need to, we need to do that. And, and you've been willing to step up and, and help us with that. And I appreciate your willingness to do that. And uh, somebody asked me if the concrete out here in the four-year and fellowship hall is going to look like it is down. I said, well, I hope not. <laughs> but no, it won't. It won't. It's going to be very nice and be... Uh, stained and it's going to be just wonderful. It's going to be just wonderful. So we're, our target goal is the end of September, so keep praying for that. And uh, keep praying that uh, uh, Terry gets a, a window in there, all of the work that he's been called to do, and he can get up here and, and do those things for us. Uh, I've talked to the uh, preacher up on the north side in Tulsa about our church pews, and so uh, we're hopefully going to be able to sell them to them, or we may end up giving them to them. There's an extra blessing for us there. If we do that. So if any of you would like one of these pews, they're 18 feet long, there's 20 of them. So if you've got a house that you want to put those in, just let us know and we'll, we'll even deliver. So <clears throat> somehow. But we do believe sometimes better than we behave. In the book of James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, it deals with that. It deals with that. Jeff, do I have those verses up there? Okay. Oh, we have to go the old conventional way, actually open the Bible? What are you trying to do to me here? If you have your Bibles, let's go to James 4. Okay, good. 
What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want the, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. In 1886, John Mott was sitting in a crowd in Northfield, Massachusetts, when the Holy Spirit grabbed him during a message by Dwight L. Moody. And Dwight L. Moody called for a hundred men to step forward for missions from that group that night. And John Mott was one of them. And God refined that call in John Mott's life where it became very clear that his mission field that he was going to work in and work toward was going to be more on the college campuses. And so he began to fervently work and lead young people passionately to Christ. And it spread from there to be an international ministry. So much so that he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1946. But John Mott made this bold statement. More important than the most earnest thinking about a problem, more important than a personal interview to influence an individual, more important than addressing and swaying an audience, far more important than these and all other forms of activity is the act of coming into vital communion with, with God. It is indeed the true, and it is indeed true, that he that saveth his time for prayer shall lose it, and he that loseth his time for communion with God shall find it again in added blessing and power and fruitfulness. Mott not only believed in prayer, but he believed that prayer was a weapon in the hands of God's children. And he acted on that. Graham Scroggy was a preacher in England during a time when the nation of England was hardened against Christianity. He said this, One of the greatest mistakes that a Christian can make is to imagine that increased social or spiritual activity can be any compensation for the lack of communion with God. There's time for business, time for pleasure, time for social and Christian service, but no time for that exercise which would give to all these and other things power and effect. The simple fact is we must find time for prayer or we shall perish. Well, those are powerful statements, folks. And yet we find within the church and within believers, often prayer is a secondary response mechanism in their life. And I want to encourage you, and I've been encouraging over the last several weeks and will for the next few weeks, that we need to make some adjustments in this church's approach to ministry. We need to be a praying church. I mean, it just goes without saying that if you're going to have a need, let's pray about it. But do we earnestly, fervently pray and do we agree in the name of Jesus? If you look in your bulletin Wednesday night, uh, we always list the kind of try to give you the numbers that were here to, to impress you. So if you'll take a look in your bulletin at the Wednesday night attendance, I wanted you to see the attendance we had last Wednesday here at church. Somebody read that to me. What does it say? In the bottom left corner on the inside. And? Ah, two in the Lord. That's all that was here. (laughs) Guess what? The house was full, according to Scripture. Amen? As he said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. Hello. And the two of us that was here, in person, we had a wonderful time. 
What a wonderful time. The Lord just spoke to us. It was great. It was great. And you might say, well, man, what, shouldn't more people be coming out? Good. If you're asking that question and you weren't one of those two, maybe you should come next week and investigate it. But the Lord was here, and that's what's encouraging. Jesus said in John 15, 5 and 7, You can do nothing without Me, and if you remain in Me and My words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done to you. Now a lot of people say, Hey, finally got my verse. I can get what I want. I want that house. I want that car. I want that, I want that new wife. A new husband. New boyfriend. Boat. Truck. Job. Yeah, I can just ask for it. It says it right here. Ask whatever you want, it'll be done to you. Simple. Amen? I want my children to be wealthy so I can retire. I, in fact, I want one of them to buy a house on the golf course so I can live with them and play golf every day. I, I want that. Is that what that verse really means? See, there's a condition here. It says, you can't do anything without me, me meaning Jesus. Then he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Oh, well, we kind of skip over that part. Because it's really important to understand that you can't do anything without the Lord and you really can't get much done unless you're truly in Him. To your motives, I'm not going to pray for that house and pray for that car and pray for the things that I think I want if I'm truly within the Word and the scope of God. That's what I love about you as a, as a church is when we present needs to you, boom, you step right in and assist with those needs. You're, you're just good about that. And I love you for it. But I want to give you quick five reasons why we believe better than we behave. Number one, we don't see prayer as relational we don't see prayer as a relationship. Suppose you talked to your spouse the way that you talk to God. I'm going to let you mull that one around just a second. What if you talk to your spouse the way you talk to God? You ever been in a restaurant, saw two people sitting and enjoying a meal, never one time looked at each other, never one time said a word to each other? You ever seen that? Well, that's not a marriage, is it? That's just a couple of people passing in the night and sitting at the same table. I mean, you can do that just by walking in a restaurant and sitting down with somebody you don't know. That, that's fun. You ought to do that sometime. I do it. It's fun. They really look at you funny. But it's a great conversation. You got to try sometime. Oh, you'll never know. Now, there's risk involved with everything. <laughs> Jeremiah 29.13 You will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. You will find Me when you seek Me and search for Me with all your heart. Wow. Second reason we believe better than we behave is that we do not perceive the separating power 
of tolerated sin. Ooh, here's, the, here's where the preacher gets to step on the toes. I must say to you this. Mick Canerdal tells me all the time. He says, man, bro, brother, my toes are hurting today. Oh, yeah. I'm going to wear my steel-toed boots next week. Oh, about that. The thing that you've got to understand is that God has stomped on my toes as I come to share the load with you. Because when my hurt, when mine hurt, I want yours to at least feel a little bit of bump, okay? <clears throat> and I love it when people will go out and they'll say, I said, boy, preacher, you were following me around all week long. <laughs> you were speaking to me. And then the guy right behind him would go out and say, you really didn't have time to study this week, did you? <laughs> it's just interesting how the Holy Spirit does that. But you see, we don't perceive the separating power of tolerated sin. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Indeed, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, His ear not too deaf to hear, but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God. Your sins have made Him hide His face from you so that He does not hear or does not listen. It's our sins that separate us. Like Samson in Judges 16, we will not immediately perceive His absence in our lives because we have grown accustomed to the distance from Him that we're already experiencing. Sin camouflages God's presence in our life. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go deeper than that. We all have hidden sins that we don't want anybody to expose them. And when they are exposed, it hurts. It hurts. But God needs to penetrate even into the hidden sin areas of our lives. Why we believe better than we behave when it comes to prayers that we're justifying our sins while they are corrupting our lives. Third reason that we behave better than we pray and is that uh, I mean I mean we, we believe better than we behave is that we, we don't understand that prayer prepares us for spiritual warfare. Ephesians six is the chapter and the verse where most people go when they deal with spiritual warfare. And Paul is very graphic and, and clear in those verses. And in verse 18 of chapter 6, he talks about every prayer and request needs to be prayed at all times in the Spirit of God. When we get casual about that piece of armor, as it's described in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, and when we get casual about the armor of prayer, well, there's great danger for us when we do that. You see, prayer is so powerful, so meaningful. A book I would recommend to you is Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. Powerful book. You need to read it. But in there he talks about and gives illustrations of how God has blessed that church. When he went to the church... His father-in-law was the district superintendent over the area for those churches. And this Brooklyn Tabernacle Church was a dying church. And so they needed a preacher. They couldn't get anybody to drive in the inner city. So being the son-in-law, he got the enviable uh, uh, choice and option is to drive in there and be the preacher. And he said, but I'm not a preacher. And he said, you are as of today. 
He said, my daughter plays, take her with you, and they'll love you to death. So off they go, and his wife Carol sings, plays beautifully. So he goes into this massive church in Brooklyn, New York, downtown, inner city, and begins to preach to a handful of people. And finally, he stood up one, uh, one week and he said, you know, Wednesday night we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a prayer meeting. And he said, if you have any needs, you have any, any, any hurts, you need healing from God, deliverance from God, you come in here. We're going to pray for you. So they started those prayer meetings. And then Carol also started a, a choir. Well, that choir is pretty well known today. It's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And they're, in, they're incredible. You never listen to them. You ought to, you ought to get them. There's something. There's something. Some great music. But they started this prayer meeting. And over a period of three, four, five years, that thing grew and grew and grew. Where people on Wednesday night were standing outside on the sidewalk in line waiting to get into the church for the prayer meeting. What a message that might send to a community if people can't find a way to get into this church building on a Wednesday because we've got so many people coming in here to pray. Ah, preacher, that kind of nonsense. That'll never happen here. You're right. It never will with that attitude. But it could change like that. Amen? If one person decides that they're not going to listen and they're going to fight that spiritual battle. When the British fleet faced off with the Germans during the Battle of Jutland, the largest naval battle of World War I, they quickly recognized that they were vulnerable. A British heavy cruiser was hit by artillery barrage and it quickly sank. Another ship was hit and its powder magazine blown to pieces. The Queen Mary was sunk, taking a crew of 1,200 sailors straight to the bottom. What was the problem? Well, the hulls of the ship were heavily armored, but they were built... The decks were built with wood. And so they were vulnerable to attacks from above. And so you and I need to understand that in one area we may be strong, but in another we're very vulnerable. And we must become people of prayer because this is a war that we're in. The fourth reason that we believe better than we behave is that we crowd out prayer with other things. In Luke 10, it tells the story of the Martha syndrome. You know the story. Jesus comes to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, his friends, and Mary does the right thing. She just sits down and starts to drink in the words of Jesus. And Martha, nobody asked her to do it. Nobody, nobody put the pressure on her. Nobody requested it. But she just jumps up and she starts making this elaborate meal that she thinks everybody's going to want to take part in. And then she starts to gripe and whine and complain because Mary's not helping her. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, so often, Jesus will come in to see us, to be with us, and we skip Him. I don't know how many times, countless times, God has been with me. I have, I have felt the Spirit of His God moving in me, and I shut Him off. Are you willing to admit that? Are you willing to admit that? Well, maybe you've never ever felt Him move in you. Yeah. If you've never ever felt the movement of God in your life, 
Maybe you've moved away from Him too far. And the quickest way to get back to Him, the quickest way to get back to Him, is through prayer. D.T. Niles wrote this, Hurry, he said, means that we gather impressions but have no experiences, that we collect acquaintances but make no friends, that we attend meetings but experience no encounter. We must recover eternity if we are to find time, and eternity is what Jesus came to restore. In Psalm 46.10, it just simply says, Be still and know that I'm God. Fifth and the last reason that we behave or believe differently than we behave is that we think we can handle things just fine by ourselves. If you haven't heard me say anything, listen to this one. Listen to this. As we read in the verses James 4, 1 through 2, the evidence of arrogance in our lives is the level of our prayerlessness. We are arrogant people. America is an arrogant nation. How do I know that? How do I know that? Just look at Katrina. Look at the floods in Bartlesville and Coffeyville. We had the ice storm last winter. Governor asked for FEMA help, and FEMA said, Nope, not going to help you all out. Nope, not going to help you all out. Okay, but boy, you got to keep paying those taxes. Let's keep raising those taxes. Hmm. We're arrogant, folks. We believe the whole world functions around us. You know, China is outgrowing us, outmaneuvering us, outpopulating us. We're 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 bearing sixty a minute. They're bearing a hundred and thirty-four a minute of children. How about that? How many times have you looked at the products that you use as made in China, made in China, made in China, made in China? Used to Walmart wouldn't sell anything that said made in USA. Made in China, made in China, made in China. Because we're arrogant. We're arrogant. What's the source of the wars and the fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. There is a plain, simple, powerful truth here. Don't miss it. You do not have because you don't ask. But you see, we're presumptuous. We're so self-impressed that we try to make a go of it in our own strength using our own imagination, our own education, our own personal history. Adrian Rogers tells the story of when he and his wife Doris were in college, they were young college students, they decided one summer to take a small church in Florida and preach there. And When they were finished and ready to go back to college, they had a, a, an orange uh, grower in their church. And so he called them out to the grove and he gave them two big duffel bags full of oranges. Nice Florida oranges. So off to back to college they go, and they're in their little uh, efficiency apartment above a garage, and they've got these duffel bags full of oranges stuffed in a closet, and they're trying to eat as many as they can and give away as many as they can. 
And one day they were sitting there uh, at the lunch hour between classes and uh, looking out the window. And in the back of their of this yard where they were renting this place from, there was an old orange tree, but it was a sour orange tree. Now, sour oranges aren't very good to eat. You get them and they, you pucker up pretty bad. In fact, almost a lockjaw size pucker. And so Adrian Rogers was watching this young man jump the fence and seeing him sneak around. He's going to steal that orange. And it made him stop and think about how the Lord loves him and his wife and how he loves us. When he said that if that young man would have come and knocked on my door and said, Hey, sir, could I have, I want to take an orange from your tree. He said, first of all, I would have warned him that that wasn't a good orange to take. And secondly, I would have said, but by the way, let me give you some fabulous, fantastic oranges. And he would have gone to the closet and poured out these Florida oranges on this guy. He said, but the problem is, the guy never asked. The guy never asked. You know what's going to be amazing, folks, is we're going to get to heaven and God's going to pull us over to an open door that's in His storehouse and He's going to say, hey, look in there. Look in there. Those are the things that I really wanted to give you. Those are the things that I wanted to load you down with, but I couldn't give them to you. You went your own way, your own scheming, your own planning and conniving and fighting and figuring, and you never stopped to ask me. Never stopped to ask me. How does that song go? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range through the earth to show Himself strong for those whose hearts are completely His. God is scanning this room this morning. His eyes are roaming in here pew to pew, seat to seat, looking for a person who will passionately and persistently seek Him. His search will never cease. He will never miss one single opportunity, anytime, anywhere, to demonstrate His power on behalf of any individual or any people who rely on Him rather than relying on themselves. As the team comes back to help me close, let me, I want you to close your eyes in prayer. Will anyone call to me? Will anyone seek me with their whole heart? As God searches this room, does God find such a person in you? Our Lord stands eager, able, Willing, awesome in power, full of grace, glorious in mercy, ready to work for those who will wait in prayer for Him. He's waiting to hear from you. Does God find here on a larger scale a church that longs for Him, cries out to Him, so that He moves to powerfully support His work in this place. You see, His power will explode on behalf of a church that looks like that. Jim Cimbala wrote this as I lift it from Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Anything and everything is possible with God if we approach Him with a broken spirit.
We must humble ourselves, get rid of the debris in our lives, and keep leaning on Him instead of our own understanding. Your future and mine are determined by this one thing, seeking after the Lord. The blessings we receive and pass along to others hang on this truth. He rewards those who seek Him. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we close our time together, I'm asking earnestly, pleading for you to truly move in the lives and hearts of your people that are sitting in this room. God, we've had an emotional morning. We've had an opportunity to share some special things in each each life. It's been very refreshing to hear from the CIY kids and to know that 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 week last week impacted them. Father, it's been great to hear people testify of how their families have been impacted because of this church, because of the power of prayer that they've felt at this church. I thank you for women like Janice, Geneva, Diane, who come faithfully every week and bear and intercede for this church in ways that none of us will ever understand. And Father, they have been attacked by the devil himself. And yet they just keep coming. So Father, I want to call some men to have some courage to step up to the plate. We've got to have some men that will stand up and be men of prayer, be men of action. Father, we need fathers to get involved in our program here. We need young families to be involved in our program here. But in order to do that, Father, we've got to continue to be faithful. Some of us that have worked for years in those areas that we're ready for a break, we've got to work a little longer. But God, you're, you're in control here. You always have been. This is your church. You're the head of this church. We've sometimes gotten in your way, and I know we have. And those times have been more obvious than, they, than, than I want to admit. Father, as the pastor of the church, I thank you for the love of this group of people who've loved me unconditionally and who've loved me in spite of my best efforts. But I really want to thank you because even what each of us don't see, you see. You see the fear, you see the pain, you see the hurt. You see the frustrations. You see the times when hands are thrown up and the words I quit are repeated quickly. So Father, I just pray that this morning you might find in yourself a way to touch and minister to us some more. And Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we find in your Son, Jesus. And there might be somebody here this morning. There might be somebody here this morning that just needs that special touch from you. Father, would you grant it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing together. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Oh, to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in you.
Brenda, wave at everybody. Everybody turn around away. This this will be a baby. Her last Sunday, right? She's going home. Hallelujah. Oklahoma um, Neurological Institute, uh, they come out every Sunday, bring some folks with us. And Brenda's getting to go home. So we're excited for her. Amen, amen. She loves that hug and howdy time. I mean, she jumps up and takes off. You know? So we're going to, she said, I'm going to come back a little bit, preacher. I said, that's great. That's a good deal. We're so glad to have them, and I meant to mention that earlier. Thank you for being here. Rodney Klein's going to have our closing prayer, and following that, Dan lead us in our closing song. Brother Rodney.
This is dance music. She says one more time, and when the Lord speaks, we jump. Oh, fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning when I die. Hallelujah. 